Welcome to Adults Only Comedy Berlin. Today it's just me and I'm back from the Edinburgh Fringe. Holy fuck. Um, okay, so I was there for two weeks, 14 days, and uh, yeah, I've needed a few days to like come down from the high uh, and from the MDMA, but um, but it was just magical. Like people talk, comics talk about the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, and I've wanted to go for years. I just haven't been able to afford it, uh, the, both the time off and like the investment in registering a show, getting the accommodation flights, blah, blah. Uh, I say to every comedian, uh, just fucking make it happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was um, – I don't want to, like, uh, overdo it, but I will confidently say that – well, now I'm less confident, aren't I? Ah, but I think it was the best 14 days – of my life. <laughs> Just the community. Okay, so in 14 days, I did 58 shows. Um, so 14 of those were my solo show. And so I did another 44 spots. Uh, a lot of those spots were um, booked spots, so like 10, 10 minute spots or um, sometimes longer. Uh, there were lots of five minute spots as well and seven minutes. And, uh, and yeah, and so managing to get paid for quite a few of those, you know, not amazingly, but still like getting, you know, money, money helps. Um, yeah. Scotland's also expensive, right? The UK is way more expensive than, uh, than in, in, in Berlin. And, uh, and so every like little five pound that you might get from a sort of open mic space, that's, that's like, that's like half a meal. Um, so yeah, uh, my, my show was at 1am every day. So that the first day I got, I like, I arrived tired which is insane. I should not have arrived tired, but given the months I've had in Berlin, there was nothing I could do, right? Like I, I took a day off um, the day before I went to Scotland and uh, and had a really nice time at Vibali, just like going into the saunas and going to the spas and then went and took myself and saw Barbie and um, then met up with a friend and yeah, maybe stayed up all night, but whatever. Um, but I took a day off before I went to Edinburgh. And then like the night before I flew, I, um, I only did my show and then packed, uh, and then, and then, yeah, went, but I arrived and I was already kind of tired. And then I didn't want to do it. Like I hadn't planned to do any spots before my first show. So I get in there and I go straight, um, to my accommodation and then I come straight into the city. So, okay. So I was staying out at, uh, at the Musselburgh Queen Margaret University. And that accommodation is very affordable. They do performers accommodation. So um, I don't know if it's a problem saying the rates, but it was like, so you get a feel for it. Um, very cheap accommodations, like 250 pound a week. And that was so fucking cool getting that and just being able to, um, yeah, boom, two weeks sorted. I was warned that it's a 40-minute bus ride from the center. A 10-minute train when the trains align, but they only run once an hour. But a 40-minute bus ride. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just cycle. That'll be fine. Um, yeah, nah. Nah, I'm really glad I didn't end up cycling. The bus ride's 40 minutes in a taxi. I, I taxied home one night, which was tough. It was like 30 fucking pound. But, um, but just being in the taxi and realizing, oh, this is like a solid... 25 to 30 minute car ride so on a bike and like really isolated areas so I, I don't know if I mentioned but 
Um, about a month ago in Berlin, I had my first ever uh, bad experience riding home. Riding home in Berlin, yeah. And a guy like followed me ostensibly. Like, I don't know, but I felt very unsafe. And because of that experience, I'm kind of glad I had that experience because it gave me the confidence to not like to choose to not ride home in Edinburgh, that 40 minute path, because a lot of that path is very, um, from the main city to Musselburgh is like really isolated. And yes, it's on main roads, but we're talking really isolated. If something happened, you know, it would be a long time before another car passed, uh, if something went down in the wee hours. So anyway, so I, first day I arrived, I, uh, I went out to my accommodation, which was a good, you know, uh, a 40 minute, well, no, I caught the train 10 minutes, 10 minutes, um, dumped my stuff and then came into town and found my venue, found my posters and just started putting my posters up, uh, around the city. So kind of like what I'd do next time is definitely arrive a few days before I start my run. Um, so I only did a half run this year. I will definitely be doing a full run next year. Uh, at the top, I will just say I managed to break even and then make some money. So for a 14 day run, um, apparently that's, that's, and it was a 1am slot. So apparently that, um, that's pretty good. That's, uh, I've been told that that's pretty good. I didn't have to cancel a single show. I always had at least, I think the lowest I ever had was five guests, um, plus a friendly comedian joining. Uh, and then I had multiple nights that I had like over 25 people. One night that was sold out where I had like 37 people crammed into my room. Uh, my venue is the city cafe. They've got like these three little karaoke rooms down in the basement. I was lucky enough to get the the biggest room down there, um, but the latest time slot. And, uh, and so, yeah, the fucking psychological challenge of keeping your energy for your, for your most important work every day at 1am. So there are basically, there are no shows that start after 2am at the Edinburgh Fringe. Uh, and so I needed to keep my energy <laughs> after doing as many spots as I could. So the, the biggest draw for doing spots, obviously, if you're a comic, um, you just are a little slot for the stage time anyway but the biggest thing the be the best thing about doing spots in Edinburgh aside from obviously meeting new people doing your material it's the best way to advertise your show so people see you at other shows and they're like oh and then you can flyer afterwards um for anyone who doesn't know how that shit works so uh so I was doing you know some days I would only do two shows and I was if I was trying to take it easy but most days I was doing you know four to four to five other shows uh before my 1am show so uh, after the first sort of two days I was like holy shit I need to like I cannot get up earlier than midday and so after my shows I would need to stay up a little bit later um also with the buses so I ended up Basically, my body clock changed to going to bed at 6 a.m. every day <laughs> and getting up around 2, 2 p.m., uh, which was good because then I'd head into the city, usually no, like get up at 2, do some work because um, I was still producing my shows in Berlin. Uh, so actually five shows a week whilst I was in Edinburgh, uh, I was producing five shows. I was actually maybe six shows in Berlin. So um not that chill, but yeah. So I'd get up at two, do my work and then head into Edinburgh town at around, uh, 6 PM. Um, and then 
do spots, get food, hang with the comics. Uh, what I will say about City Cafe is because it's got the three venues. A lot of the venues do have multiple rooms, but what's cool about City Cafe is the the, the green room, uh, the storage room that we uh, we would all find each other in, and uh, and the bar downstairs, and just and everyone hangs out at City Cafe uh, out the front. Oh man, that place is just, um, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I got back. My voice sounds, my voice sounds normal again. I should have done this pod, uh, like when I got back on Tuesday, today's Friday. Um, so I got back, yeah, four days ago, my voice is already better, but also within two days of being in Edinburgh, my voice was hoarse. And it wasn't because I was going out and like super like It was just because I was doing that much stage time and each bit of stage time fucking counts because you want to fly her afterwards and because you don't know who's in the crowd and you're giving it your all and also doing, you know, a 1am show. It's like if you're, you know, hustle like so a lot of my audience was definitely drunk um, in my first two shows. So my very first show was on the Monday. Uh, I had a, I had a dude who I had two old guys, God knows how they were still up on a Monday, but they were just, one guy just kept kind of nodding off, <laughs> but to his credit, he had not back awake, like he'd do the nod back, um, at every punchline and laugh. So that was gold. Uh, so yeah, no, you, you like the, the way I was needing to use my voice to keep people engaged at a 1am show as well. It's really working it, right? Um, you know, changing the dynamics, keeping keeping it up. Um, so, yeah, so by day two, it was like, holy shit, okay, I need to be very strategic with how I use my voice. Got onto the tees, gargling salt at night and in the morning. Um, so, um, yeah, what else? What else? Um, the audiences in Edinburgh, I think. So there were a lot of the Berlin crew that came over to Edinburgh, which was wonderful uh, because we really represented. Apparently, people were talking about how strong our scene is. Um, Moni Zhang killing it, producing four shows a day there. Uh, also, Ori Halevi and uh, former Berlin comic, now Lisbon comic, Francesco Kirchhoff. They were also running uh, two, I think, two or three shows a day. Um, I think it was maybe three. And um, and then there's also Mihai Tatara running several shows. And uh, then we had lots of people coming over for spots from Berlin. So a lot of the, uh, yeah, the, a lot of the talk that um, we had amongst ourselves, you know, being based in Berlin and then comparing our Berlin experiences to this, for some, for some of the Berlin comics, it was their first time performing to native English speakers and also to a festival audience. Now, most of the audiences comprised of majority UK, so English, Irish, Scottish, and then um, American, like New Yorkers. There were so many New Yorkers over. Uh, Australians as well. And then you'd get the occasional, like non-English speaking European, occasional. But everyone at like native speaking English audiences and people who were there for the fringe. Oh my God, they were up for it. It was so like the joy and surprise in the Berlin comedians faces being like, Oh my God, they, they get comedy. My jokes work here. Uh, was just, yeah, really fucking cool. Um, and then the community, right. Meeting all of these comedians. I already knew a lot of people from the Australian scene uh, from the London scene as well. And then the, the Euro scene, 
Um, but I met some really wonderful people from, from South Africa, um, you know, bonded more with some of the comics that I vaguely knew from Instagram, uh, from around and yeah, just, uh, just so much community just, and the roller coaster you go through at, at a comedy festival like that. Like there's no other comedy festival like that. Let's be honest. You, you can be, you can be doing shows from 9am or 9.30, I think is like the earliest one through till closing. Like cl- I think the last show finishes at like 2.30 in the morning. So the number of shows you can do, the ups and downs you go through, you'll do, you'll do material at one show. You'll fucking kill. You go to the next room. Maybe you can't access the room before your spot. You don't know how the room's going. Maybe you, you do, but you just misread the fucking crowd and you have a horrible set. And then you just feel like you go from feeling like this is what your whole comedic life has been working towards. And you're, like you've found your place and this is the best thing in the whole fucking universe. And then you'll do this next show where you just die a sad, horrible, like pathetic death on stage (laughs) and you question everything. But then you've got this whole community around you that's experiencing living the same thing. And, you know, the number of times I slumped into the, into the green room at, at, at city cafe and ran into comedian friends and just we just picked each other back up and just talked shit until we were pumped and ready for our next spot and uh, I'm even getting kind of teary just saying this now Jesus oh my god it was so good it was so good um but yeah um the what else I've got little notes here um man just like every interaction with with audiences too you know there's just so much banter in the in the British uh culture just like you know you'd go to a bathroom you'd run into someone there was a fun little chat to be had the number of times after shows you know i'd 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 just you'd be at the bar and you end up talking shit with uh with whoever was there comedian or not just so much uh so much joy and goodwill and 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 silliness um, there were, there were some great moments, you know, coming out of the, out of a toilet cubicle and finding a woman just singing, like, like singing at the top of her lungs to Nickelback. This is how you remind me playing from her phone and like me, like washing my hands next to her. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I don't know, but isn't this brilliant? And then she's dancing to herself in the mirror and she's like, come on, do it with me. And we're both singing. This is how you remind me. Oh man. So so much fun. Uh, the nightlife in Edinburgh sadly closes at like 3 a.m. So most nights I would get out of my sh- get out of my show and um, with the comedian that I was I was uh, we basically had a similar runtime at City Cafe. Would then go out and uh, meet up with other comics and sometimes have audience members with us. And by the time we get to the first bar within an, within half an hour. <laughs> The bar would be closing. So did find all the late night spots in Edinburgh. Uh, shout out to Sneaky Pete's. If you ever are in Edinburgh and you want a bit of a, a Berlin vibe, uh, Sneaky Pete's is the place. Really good DJs. Uh, brutal, brutal techno. Just but like with groove, with interest. I uh, had some really fun nights there. Three Sisters. Holy shit. Three Sisters is such an epic venue. I, um, like it's not epic, like a, like a Berlin venue, but epic, like a fucking Scottish venue. They've got this huge, um, 
like attic main room that's like it's it's a it's a big dance floor uh and then downstairs they've got these other um well they've got another huge room uh the live room which i i don't know uh what shows performed there but magnificent magnificent space uh that i think they do karaoke there then just this yeah monster internal bar in the front area they have another two rooms um and uh and then they've got this huge courtyard at the front downstairs and as much as they would be just playing these you know top 40s bangers every night with the smell of vomit wafting through the courtyard they they really knew how to throw a party that that top room with a dj i was in there once till i think it was like 5 30 in the morning um yeah good good fucking times but in terms of a comedy venue quite stressful as a comedian when you're trying to get through to the rooms at like 11 or, or you know midnight on a friday saturday and the place is just throbbing with drunk locals and, and and tourists and i guess comedians as well but the the toilets being rammed and uh just people everywhere and very very intense smells and your, your shoes are just constantly sticky and you're pushing through people to get to your show that you're, you know, hopefully coming to the right room on the, at the right time. Um, so, yeah, amazing, amazing venues. I'm just trying to think. Some really good food in, in Edinburgh too. Um, you know, shout out to, to Maki and Ramen. Best ramen I think I've ever had, which is crazy because it was in Scotland. Uh, City Cafe for the best breakfast. I think they also do a vegan one. I didn't try it, but I had haggis for the first time. Also had black pudding. Fuck that shit's tasty. Um, what else did I? Oh, uh, casserole wang. Best uh, best hot pot experience, hands down. And the milkman. The milkman for coffee and desserts. Mm-hmm. Best uh, best desserts. Um, I would say in 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 the town that I saw. Just really nice home baked. Um, like tart like like cakes you know like like there's really sort of good dense homemade italian style cakes and then you know really intense like british style slices and cookies and can you tell i haven't eaten breakfast okay um all right uh what else on the drug front uh i um coke is everywhere in edinburgh (laughs) i didn't and i didn't have it once i didn't have coke I did have Coke once, but it was just because it was the end of my little stash and the little thing that I had and uh, reminded myself again, I don't like performing on Coke and it does no one any favors. Don't, I don't know. Maybe some people can do it. I, I can't understand how people can perform on Coke. It makes, it, it, it disconnects me from myself and the audience. And the, and the most important part of comedy is feeling connected uh, to yourself uh, and by extension to the audience. So, um, Coke bad, Coke bad. Uh, Ketamine, wonderful. Couldn't find any. Uh, In the first, I think in the first two days, uh, one of the comedians was uh, tipped ketamine by an audience. And this comedian reached out to me and said, hey, babe, I've got some keta if you need it. And I was like, nah, 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 I'm good. I got, I got, I got stuff. And then a week later, I was like, hey, babe, you still got that? And she's like, no, of course I gave it away already. Um... And then I, you know, for that week, I'd been, I'd been hitting up the local drug dealers that hang around the venues, not a single person and hitting up like the, 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 the scenes drug dealer. No one, no one could find ketamine, which was fine. Uh, cause on the, my, I think my third last show, I had these, uh, amazing performers come through 
high as fuck. Oh my God, that was so high. That's the other thing. In Edinburgh, there is so much cocaine, like to the point where uh, one night we were walking through the town and um, at, like actually saw a group of dudes carrying a phone just with lines wrecked up and they were passing it between them as they were walking along Cowgate doing lines off the phone walking to the next place legends uh also amazing that it wasn't that windy and uh talk about the balls and stupidity just be doing it that fucking openly but there really were like i didn't see a single police uh a police member except when like they were dragging people out of the clubs um yeah the police were not there to, 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 to fuck with our French. That is that is for sure. Just I really felt like the police were just there to deal with uh, the chaos when it got out of hand. But, um, but yeah, so um, co- cocaine in Edinburgh and MDMA. Oh, my God. The number of people I we encountered, like, at bars and, like, old dudes too, man, geezers at the bar pinging pinging once had this conversation at um at the three sisters bar uh we go there to to order a drink and uh and this guy just this old guy definitely in his 60s just starts talking to us very hard to understand very scottish and um my friend very patient like like really tries to understand him and this 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 old scotsman is just going let me buy you a drink. Let me let me buy you a drink. You're you're a beautiful man. You're a beautiful man. Now my friend is uh, is from Africa, and uh, this guy proceeds to buy us drinks, and then turns to my friend and says, "Yes, yes, you you know what you, you know what you look like. You know what you look like. I don't know what this accent is, by the way." He tells my friend he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> And this guy's just, and then he's like, no, no, you know, you remind me of, you remind me of, uh, you remind me of like, uh, like Matt Damon, like, like Ben Affleck's brother. I'm like, Casey Affleck. I'm like, yeah, this man is listing attractive ish white man after white man to describe my black African friend. His pupils were so big. Um, and then just like passing by, there's another club called hive that didn't, I didn't go to. Apparently that's like the filthiest of the filthy, uh, clubs in, in Edinburgh. Um, but passing through there and just seeing like these old dudes, you know, just gnawing the shit out of their, like their mouths and just pupils and just so fucking high. So anyway, third last night, uh, of my shows or of the fringe, actually, there's these performers that are sitting out the front of city cafe so high, just like hugging every second person they, they encounter and, you know, talking their ears off and chewing their mouths off. And, uh, and I, I fly at them. I'm like, Hey guys, you want to come into my show? You seem like you're having a great time. You want to amp that up a little. And they're like, well, we are very high on these excellent pure MDMA pills. We've just been given. Um, can we come in even if we're this high? I'm like, look, yeah, if you can, if you can keep your shit together, and if you don't mind me telling you to shut the fuck up sometimes, if you do get out of hand, they're like, yeah, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. They come in. It's a fucking fun show. Um, I do have to kind of rein them in occasionally. But at the end, they end up giving me one of these uh, famed MDMA pills. And they're like, you know, just be careful. Don't take the whole thing at once. You know, you've seen us. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not taking the whole thing. Jesus. So, um, so I got some free drugs in the end. And it was really nice MDMA. And the craziest thing was... I don't know how, but there was no come down. Um, I did only just take it like a quarter 
and then another quarter of the first night and then same again on the second night. But yeah, zero come down. Fucking smooth shit. Um, so that's the drugs covered. Um, okay, what else? Uh, I think I'll kind of wrap it up by, um, yeah, just like things for next year. <sighs> um, I like as much as the... Queen Margaret University accommodation was perfectly timed in terms of its availability uh, and hearing about it and affordability. I won't be staying that far out again. It just, well, also I won't be doing a 1 a.m. show again. But the thing is I probably will be staying out late every year because that that is what I like to do, let's be honest. But um, saving my energy for a 1 a.m. show, that's that was, that was a real, that was a real marathon um and psychologically like challenging to really get yourself like pumped up after being running around the city all you know all evening and then like you know you do a show at 11 and everyone's already drunk and tired and then you're doing a midnight show and it's like all right i need to fucking get these people all 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 excited now for my one i've got to get myself excited and i won't lie like i did use some you know people will have a drink or a smoke yeah I did I did you know a couple of times definitely need to do just a little bit of something to to get me in the mood and just to put me on the same level as my audience you know performing as a sober person at 1am when I'm tired nah man so you know a couple of little additives we're, we're you know this isn't it's not like we're in professional sports here we're, we're in comedy and uh, people drink and smoke. So I did, I did give myself some, <laughs> some assistance, um, a few nights there because yeah. So next year, um, I will be, I'd love, I'd love like a 10 PM, um, even an 11 PM spot would be fucking magic. Uh, but I won't be, I won't be staying out so far away. Nah. Um, the accommodation was nice. It was, No, it wasn't. What am I saying? It was, it was, it was this kind of very narrow, it was, it was everything I needed. Um, but the mattress was horrific. It was a spring mattress. Uh, it was assisted student living. So what that meant was that when my toilet paper ran out, they had nothing that they could sell me, uh, as the, as the sweet gentleman at the, at the front desk, uh, really loved to remind me this is assisted student housing. So, okay, buddy. Okay. Well, when I needed to do my laundry, you assisted me with having some laundry powder, didn't you? But I guess toilet paper would be a bit of a stretch. Um, also the Wi-Fi. that's another thing. Um, if you're needing to do lots of uploads, do not like that. The, the Wi-Fi there was so bad. I couldn't upload anything. So I ended up needing to buy, I ended up spending, I think, uh, close to 50, 50 pound, on data packs, data packs, which, um, and I burnt through, I think I burnt through five, 200 gig, um, uploading shit whilst I was there. So keep that in mind, make sure you've got Wi-Fi that's got decent uploads. Uh, what else next year? I'm going to be going back next year for a full run. The full Edinburgh fringe of August, 2024 is on. I'm going to bring my solo. I'm going to bring my work in progress and I'm going to bring a compilation show. Compilation is basically when you've got like a loose name, maybe co-produce it with someone else and you get, um, other performers to come and, and, and perform with you. So, uh, that is what I will be doing next year. I, um, I, 
I'm happy to be back in Berlin, but it has been hasn't been hard because I've still I've still just been living off the 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 afterglow of Edinburgh. But it has it it was such a good time that it has you know it was it's one of those trips where I've come back to Berlin and I'm like I love Berlin but and I love living here but I do love I do love I do love living here I love I love living I love living here do I I love living why why do I love living here why why so I've been questioning the Berlin thing again now the 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 logic is always I've got my my apartment here rent is affordable in Berlin no matter what fucking newcomers say rent is so affordable in Berlin cost of living is so good proximity um to you know other countries and ability to tour this is why I'm here so as much as I'm like oh my god performing to native English speakers is the shit I do think that there are there this huge merit in in cutting your teeth and having um, a Berlin audience as your as your foundation it makes you write smarter it makes you not you know rely on the crutches of local references because your audience is always a mixed bag seldom can you lean heavy on the on the Berlin references or even yeah you just gotta you just gotta have more universal um, points of reference and uh, and you got to slow it down and you got to you got to be able to be that um, agile. However, you know, you see the I like the tightness, you know, I got way tighter being in in Edinburgh, you know, the and the speed like that is one of the things if you're able to be quick, you just like. And so, yes, it's good being able to be considerate of audiences who are not native spe- native English speakers here. But the problem is is just that you can end up slowing down so much that there's a tightness that's lost. So I think what I want to keep in mind moving forward is the um, is staying tight, <laughs> keeping your shit tight, and at the same time uh, being able to be aware of your audiences and, and being able to sort of slow and uh, slow it down a little bit, but still being able to keep the the comedy rapid fire and just being able to, ah, you know, when you're, when you've got a set where it's just like, you've got that rolling laughter because it's punch after punch after punch in quick succession. So I'm working, I'm going to be working on maintaining that balance. Um, Also, there was a really, the very last night in Edinburgh, uh, most people left on the Monday. I was there for the Monday night because, uh, just happened all my Jewish friends and I booked the same very cheap return flight on the Tuesday morning um so I had the Monday night there and uh very beautifully so Edinburgh spontaneously had a final dinner with um Francesco Kirchhoff uh and um we had some good and Quentin who's um who's a Brussels-based comedian and we had a nice we had a nice final dinner at Bertie's the uh famous fish and chippery which was great, which was great. Another, another great, uh, spot. Um, not cheap, but, but solid and generous. Um, but so anyway, we're talking and what I was saying was that one of the lessons I took, um, or maybe like consolations I took from Edinburgh was that it's so dependent on the audience. You know, you can have one night where you just, like you can have one show where you fucking kill, you take the same material the next night and it's just so, such hard work and you think that you're bringing in the same energy and everything. Now I do I do believe this. But Francesco 
had a very good, very interesting um, approach, which I'm integrating. And at first it frustrated me and aggravated me, this conversation, but it stuck with me. And the, the idea is that like a good audience is always the same thing, but a bad audience is not. And an audience is always one unit, right? It's not individuals. An audience operates as a unit, as a, as a whole, as a one, as, as one, one body. So the idea is that the audience is a construct and you create it and you have the power to, to form it and you're forming it. The moment you walk in there, the moment you step in there, your stage presence and the way you manage the room is what constructs the audience. And it's so true. Every time I've had a bad audience, it's not saying that the, the people are bad. It's when it's been a tough interaction it has often been that I, it's always been that I am feeling off and I am not feeling connected with myself or I am not feeling connected with the audience because I'm not feeling connected with myself and I'm going through self-doubts or I'm just fucking tired or I, you know. So, and the idea is that the better you get as a comedian, the smaller percentage the audience can can take control. The smaller percentage um of control the the audience has in 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 forming their unit so taking that and uh and it's empower as as frustrating as it is because it absolutely in this this concept it absolutely means that it's your ability that dictates <laughs> how the show goes so yeah it can be oh some audiences you just can't crack them yes but that's because it's on it is on you so as much as it would be nice to negate responsibility i think it's both empowering and and humbling to go "Mm, it is based on my abilities so i've been sitting with that and it's yeah I, i i like it i like it and i think it's uh i think it's very cool but it's also very important and that's the other thing that Edinburgh taught me to be okay and, and to really, and to not beat yourself up. And of course, already doing this, you know, like doing comedy for five and a half years and performing every night. Like, of course, you you know, it's the whole um, Sarah Millican thing of like the 11 a.m. rule. All right. So if you fucking crush it or if you fucking bomb, you're only, only allow yourself to, to, to sit with that shit until 11 a.m. the next day. If you're someone who's performing super late, okay, make it, you know, 5 p.m. or whatever. But, um, but yeah, so just not beating yourself up for it and, and always just taking it as a lesson and whatever. But, um, but yeah, guys, that's, uh, that's the fringe. That's the fringe wrap. Um, I feel like, uh, yeah, I could, I could definitely keep talking about it, but those are the main points. Um, uh, next year I'll also probably pay flyers. Um, but I really did enjoy flyering myself. I think that's a, that's a really important part of the, fr- like I had nights where the entire audience, um, were people that I had spoken to on the streets, on the streets. Um, and, uh, yeah, and had great interactions with them. So, you know, that person to person, like first person mm, marketing shit is good, but yeah, can also level up and pay some people. Um, but word on the street is only only organize your flyers once you arrive in the city so you get to know them. And uh, yeah, um, I did smoke weed for the first time also uh, in like I did that vape once um, about a year ago that really fucked me oh, a year ago, maybe six months ago. 
Um, but yeah, I smoked pure weed, obviously no tobacco, just had one hit and, um, yeah, interesting. I, I forgot how much I, I love being stoned, but, um, but that won't be much of a habit and uh, it's not like I'll be buying it, but it's nice to feel, to reconnect with something and be like, okay, I can trust myself with that and, uh, and aware of just, yeah, how much it stays in my system too, but that I do like it. Anyway, I think that's it, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I will be touring more. Um, I'm going to be heading to Brussels the end of September. I'll be in um, Luxembourg and Switzerland in November and setting some shit up, I think, in October. Maybe getting Eastern Europe away or maybe even fucking like Lisbon. Let's see how flights are. Um, love you guys. Um, setting up my website. Um, moving off Facebook completely. It blocked me again whilst I was in Edinburgh. So I still don't have access to any of my pages or my account or my messenger. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> that's also fun. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I'll be looking forward to, to bringing you um, some chats with a comedian next week. Um I'm Anna Barros. You've been lovely. That's been Adults Only Comedy Berlin. Thanks so much and goodbye.